Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkinSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. I know I probably say this all the time, but I am on a hot streak lately for great guests. Last week, Melissa Silverman, Director of Partnership Activation for the Atlanta Hawks, really brought it. Great info and insight. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen. Later this week, on Wednesday, Amina Solomon, who is the Player Personnel Coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, will blow you away. She's so impressive. Focused, measured, direct, just totally in control, which I loved. Last week, I also conducted interviews with Nita Shrikanth, who is the COO of Influencer. Uh, for those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you like me, likely saw me share a photo of Nita posing with Ken Griffey Jr. while being photobombed by Trey Wingo, which is really cool. Here's a professional woman, barely across 30, and she's already worked in key roles for the Dallas Cowboys and ESPN prior to joining Influencer. So cool. I'm very jealous. She also has a very cool t-shirt that says Storyteller on it, which I'm getting her to send me a version of, and I'm excited about that. Also, Kevin Brown, Director of Community Relations for the Detroit Red Wings and Director of the Detroit Red Wings Foundation. Kevin is another one. So insightful, so passionate, and so driven to make a difference in the world. He uses sports as a way to make positive change in the community, and it is really, really inspiring. So I'm pretty fired up. I'm on a bit of a hot streak. I also give you a piece of advice. If advice, if you are ever planning on becoming a podcaster, don't take a scoop of hummus right before you go into recording, because this is my fourth take of this episode, because I keep burping, coughing, and hiccuping. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. I think I've gotten through the worst of it. But uh, yeah, I tend to eat on the run a lot, and that's not necessarily a good thing for my burping. Anyway, Amina debuts later this week, then Nita, then Kevin. So stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. See, there's this thing about being vulnerable and being honest and talking about these issues. And then I wonder sometimes, am I sharing things people don't really want to know? Oh, well, you're stuck now. All right. Today's question comes in from me. Let me explain. So... I had an interesting week last week outside of the interviews that I did for the podcast. And one of the most interesting things that happened, and not in a good way, is my mentor in the sports industry, somebody that taught me everything I know, literally, like, set me up for every success that I've had, got laid off from their job. Uh, he was the VP of production for Fox Sports for 15 years. He had been at ESPN and he had been at CNN Sports Illustrated with me and was just somebody that I really, really, really continue to look up to in the industry. And he reached out and said, hey, my time is over at Fox Sports. Um, I'm on the hunt. Let me know if you hear anything. And that is a tough thing to hear. I mean, somebody you idolize in the industry getting their job contracted with all this experience and all this knowledge and all this expertise and, and just so many accomplishments, you know, being out of work and you realize how much coronavirus and COVID and everything going on right now really hits us all. This is very real. 
This isn't some fake thing. This isn't some puffery out there or some hyperbolic statement. This is real. It's affecting real people uh, with their life, with their health, with their ability to go out and work. Uh, a lot of people are really affected by it, and it put a very real face on it for me personally. It feels really weird to hear someone you respect in the industry so much can be let go. You're like, you kind of look at them and this happens in the world. This happens in business. It happens all the time. It's not that big of a deal. It's not great, but it's, it happens, right? It's not just a coronavirus thing. In this case it is, but it's not just a fact. But again, you see somebody that you in, see as better than you, right? Cause a lot of times what your mentors, the people that have advised you through your life, you look at as being, above you, superior to you, more knowledgeable than you, more experienced than you. And you see that they can be let go and you think, wait, that's a thing. Like somebody wouldn't want them to be there. It becomes very real and it makes you fear for yourself a little bit too. Just speaking honestly. I mean, if they can be removed, who the hell am I? Um, I remember my dad getting laid off when I was a kid and you, you know, growing up, you think of your parents as these, you know, superhuman people. Like they just can achieve anything, do anything. They have all the right answers. Nothing can ever go wrong. And then, Shit happens, right? Something happens. And it's, it's this humanizing moment where you say, oh, wait, it isn't always perfect. It isn't always easy. And those moments make you feel very vulnerable. There's the hiccup. Sorry. They make you feel very vulnerable. But it's also a chance to give. I've been connecting, you know, Steve, my, my mentor, his name is Steve Becker, for anybody who wants to look him up on LinkedIn. Uh... I've been connecting him with my contacts for the last few days, and it feels good, right? The ability to pay him back for all he's done for me, even if it's just some small way. I'm trying to connect him with different people I know in the industry that could be valuable for him because he hasn't been looking in a long time. He hasn't had to, but uh, throwing that out there for him. But the reason I'm bringing this all up is because this week's question comes from me, right? I'm asking the question because I'm looking at these moments and I'm seeing what it was like for me as a young employee to have somebody who was a mentor. And the question keeps coming up in my mind this past week is how do you become a strong mentor for others? Now, I think that's such a valuable exercise to go through. And I've been really thinking about it since my conversation with Steve last week is where did he really impact me? Because I can sit here now and I can say, oh, my gosh, Steve was my mentor day in and day out. You know, he taught me things and I learned from him. And it's like, OK, that's good. That's interesting. That's important. Right. But what did it really mean for me to have him as a mentor? And so. I look at that and say, how can I reverse engineer this? How can I tell this story? But also, how can I be that person to others? You know, and everybody, you may be thinking to yourself like, wait, I'm just trying to get a job myself. How can I be a mentor to anybody else? But that's not really the case. If you're a college student, you can, you can be a leader or a mentor to people that are in high school or that are underclassmen. Mentoring makes a difference. You know, like you could be a young employee and mentor somebody who's still in college. Like you can always be helping others and sharing the knowledge of what got you to the point that you are. But the reason I want to really get into this is because mentoring makes a difference. So let's talk about how this works. And I'm going to try to give you examples of what it was like for me being mentored by Steve Becker. Right. And he's probably already annoyed with me for mentioning his name so many times, but who cares? Right. He's got to deal with it. All right. Number one. Mentoring, being a mentor, being a mentor. And also you can look at this and reverse engineer it in your own mind saying like, okay, these are the things I should expect if I want to be mentored as well, right? Okay, so number one, 
I'm going to give you five things. Number one, there is no set it and forget it process to mentoring, right? There's no exact best practices. There, I mean, there are best practices. I should, I should take that back. There's, but there's no exacting process. Every person you're going to mentor is different. They're going to have different needs. They're going to have different weaknesses. They're going to have different strengths and they're going to need different things from you. So don't try to fit the experience you like just one set experience into this. You have to be flexible. You have to listen to what they need. You have to understand where they're good, where they're bad, and where you can add to their overall formula. Like everybody has, we're all like comprised of the things we know and the experiences we have, right? That's what forms us into who we are. And every one of us is different. So we all need different things. And it's a job of a mentor to start to understand those things and start to not try to fit everybody into your box. Like when I was a producer and I had somebody that I was mentoring, I didn't want to just show them this is the exact right way to do it. I wanted to show them concepts, ideas, present things, talk about it, have a discussion, let them find their own voice in a way. And that's important when mentoring. I remember that very vividly when I started working with Steve. So the way this worked for me personally was I was at CNN Sports Illustrated. I was a young production assistant. And for the first year of my job, I was editing highlights and I was editing press conferences and I was getting them on the air. And I very rarely interacted directly with show producers and anchors and reporters. Sometimes you did, but not a lot, right? You had your one section of the editorial staff, and then there was the production staff on the other side. So when I got promoted to associate producer and started working directly with Steve, because he was the lead producer for our top show, and I was essentially becoming his right-hand person to help him through the processing, there was so much I needed to learn. And I think Steve came at it from the perspective of he had three or four different associate producers on the show. We would all kind of rotate through on different schedules. And he had to learn each one of us a little bit differently, right? He had to learn each one of us what our skills were and what we needed more. And every one of us were a little bit different. And he did that, which brings me to number two, understand your mentee. And that takes a lot of listening, right? Don't think you have it all figured out. You have to listen to them. Understand what motivates them. What are their goals? What are their roadblocks? How do these things line up with your skills? Where can you add to their formula? Where are you strong that they're weak that you can present them some ideas or concepts that really can push them forward? When I became an associate producer, like I was talking about, and worked directly with Steve, okay, he took the first week, I swear to you, I remember this vividly, he took the first week to really get to know me. He wasn't just saying, like, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do this. Go. He really did ask a lot of questions that weren't necessarily related to the job. He asked about me, my passions, my direction, where I went to school, my teams, what inspired me, what I like to do best on the job. He began by trying to understand me. And that's powerful because right there, it breaks down the wall between us, right? I'm, right there, I'm like, here's a dude that cares about my role in all of this, He's listening to me. He wants to know who I am. He's not just just prescribing things to do. He's getting to know me and when, where he can teach me. I remember very vividly him giving me an assignment one time. This was months into us working together. And he said, uh, can you write this 25 minute, 25 second script on upcoming bowl? Uh, no, it was college rivalry week. So it was like the iron bowl, the egg bowl, all these different games. And he saw me probably turn white as a sheet because back then I was not as confident in my writing ability. I could edit like a champ. I could organize things. I could get information. I could make sure things got done and hold people 
accountable, but I was not a strong writer. And he assigned it to me and saw me and looked at me in the eye and he said, you got to do this. Because he knew it was something that was important in the role. And because he'd already taken that time to get to know me and understood where my strengths and weaknesses were, he then knew where to challenge me as well. Now, again, this is a major shift. This process is a major shift if you think about it. Here I am, a guy that has been assigned to him, and he could have very easily thought that this kid needs to adjust to me. He needs to learn about me and how I work. But instead, he took it the other way. He said, I want to learn about him. I want to understand what makes him tick. I want to understand what he needs to get better and where his drive is and where he gets inspired and all of those things. That is leadership. That is being a part of the whole process and the whole person. And that's powerful. Anybody can do this, though. So number three, this is one of the most powerful things, I think. This is something that resonates with me a lot is as a mentor, you also have to be vulnerable. You have to admit your own mistakes, tell your own stories of messing up, missteps, everything. There's nothing that connects you more with people than resisting the urge to be a know-it-all, right? No one wants to be around people who think they have it all figured out. Resist that urge to just be telling people how to do things. Instead, have conversations Admit where you're not perfect. Admit your history of where you've maybe made mistakes and how you learned for them. Steve was always very honest about things that went wrong. He analyzed it. He understood why they went wrong. He changed procedures. He altered his approach and he talked me through it, which set me up on a foundation for understanding how things needed to work. Back then, I started to form a personal philosophy that still echoes with me to this day. I say it all the time. and I've said it in every place where I've been in a leadership role. Fix the problem right? I say that all the time, fix the problem. I believe it wholeheartedly. It's a very simple way to me of saying when things go wrong and they will, don't blame others. Don't blame technology. Don't dismiss it as if it'll never happen again. Analyze and identify what went wrong. Understand why it happened. Make changes where necessary and plug the leak in the process. Fix the problem. And the only way I learned to have that frame of mind of not blaming fixing is because of Steve. Because as my mentor, when he made mistakes or when things went wrong, he went back and figured out why and fixed it. Him being honest and vulnerable with me set me up to manage others in the same way. Because being a manager of people, you are required to fix the problem. You are required to listen and understand what went wrong and fix the process, not just blame doesn't work that way. Number four, treat your mentee with respect. They are not your subordinate. They are technically on our org chart. They are your subordinate. And sometimes I'm talking, I'm talking work mentorships or sometimes where you're going to be mentored by somebody that's not in your workplace, but this is, I'm being a little bit more specific. I'm a little bit more narrow lens on this process, but a lot of mentorship relationships happen in the workplace. And so I want this to be kind of about that because I think that's where the majority of mentor relationships happen. So this number four is to treat your mentee with respect. I've seen it so often happen where people who are in positions of authority use that as a power play where they just try to make like manhandle people or overmanage them or tell them what to do or demand things or blame them or whatever it is. And that doesn't grow people. That doesn't grow anyone. You need to treat 
the people around you, especially those that you are trying to mentor and help to grow, treat them with respect. And what I mean by that is share ideas you have with them. Like Steve used to bounce ideas with me off, off of me all the time. He saw me as a, a viewer in a way, like you're the audience, you're the person that would be watching this. What do you think if we tried it this way? And when he listened to my voice and my perspective on things, that gave me a lot of power. I try to do that in my management style now with my staff is to say things to them like, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this idea? Have you ever thought about this? And sometimes just presenting those eyes, those ideas as if you're on equal playing field with the person rather than it's a superior type uh, relationship can really empower somebody to understand their voice and to use it. And that makes you a better organization. So treat your mentee with respect. And number five, the final one. Now there are a lot more concepts to being a mentor. There's a lot more little details and things, but these are the big ones. Number five, lead by example. And this goes whether you're in an office situation where uh, you're mentoring somebody within the organization or outside of the organization or whoever you're mentoring, no matter where it's happening, Lead by example, model the behavior you want to see, right? If you're behaving in a way that is uh, respectful and on point and focused and fixing problems and changing processes and being inventive and coming up with all these ideas, you are teaching someone when you do that. They are learning through osmosis. They are learning through watching you and observing the best practices. So exhibit the best practices do the right things. Take chances sometimes. You're then teaching somebody how to do exactly those things. Follow best practices, but also take some chances. Trust your instinct. Trust your gut, right? If you lead by example, you set people up to not just be a robot. You teach them how to think for themselves and to take all these concepts in and put them to work. I came. I have always had this philosophy, the fix the problem philosophy, but that started from somewhere. It started because I watched somebody else who was doing it in that fashion, right? That's where I picked up on it. That's where I learned it. That's what I modeled. So lead by example. Be the person in the office place that you would want to see and that you would look up to, that you would learn from, and others will do that for you, with you. Like I said, there are more concepts on being a mentor. These are the big ones, though. If you can do these things and have this point of view, you'll change the life of someone in your world. I am literally living through that right now. I have become the person I am in this industry, and I've advised as many people as I have because I had a great advisor early on in my career, and that's made the difference for me. So do those things. Be the right person in the workplace, and you can make a difference. Thank you again for listening, everyone. It is great to have you as my audience. It means the world to me. Amina Solomon coming up on Wednesday. Make sure you turn to that episode. Rate, review, subscribe, all those important things wherever you listen to the Work and Sports Podcast because we are everywhere. Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google, all of them. We're there, okay? So rate wherever you listen. Review it. Throw in a couple nice words. Give us a five-star. Subscribe. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Let's grow this thing. Let's keep building. Thanks, everybody. Wear a mask. 